1: That's right. Another week, and we've got another huge matchup in the division as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 111. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to talk about the Eagles' first loss of the season out in Kansas City, as well as what we've seen so far from those New York Giants. Greg and I will talk about what the Eagles need to do to come away with a win in the home opener on Sunday. Next up on Scouting Report, I'll break down a rookie that has really, really impressed me while watching the Giants on film. And to give you a hint, it may not be the player you think it is. But before we get into that, let's not waste any more time. I jumped on the phone with Greg Cosell earlier this afternoon to talk about this Eagles-Giants matchup. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. And we're back for another week here of chalk Talk with NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell. Greg and I doing this a little bit differently this week with the weird schedule, the Giants playing on Monday night Greg and I waited one day 24 hours to record this podcast so we make sure that we both had a chance to go through the film and really give you the latest updates on what we saw from them on Monday night football but Greg let's get started first with the Eagles and, and what we saw watching them against the Kansas City Chiefs on both sides of the football and I think everybody wants to kind of get your thoughts on this Eagles run game 13 runs to 56 passes was the final ratio that's the number everybody's talking about You knocked down 17 straight passes uh, to end the game. Obviously, they're kind of in comeback mode, coming back from two touchdowns down. So even then, though, a 13-run to 39-pass ratio. Even Doug Peterson has come out and said that's not an ideal number. They want to be a little bit better than that, a little bit more balanced than that. When you watched the Eagles' run game this week against Kansas City, what were some of your initial takeaways watching the game?
0: Well, first of all, it was clear that Sproles was really the Feature back this week. So there were specific runs for Sprouls. Sprouls is not normally an inside runner. You're not going to run a lot of your run game that works between the tackles. And it was evident in watching the tape that they really looked to get sprolls on the perimeter in the run game. That, that was something that they wanted to do. They had some success early. Uh, they came back to it at times throughout. But I think what was interesting to me, Fran, is if you're going to make sprawls your, your quote-unquote feature back, and that was clearly the case this week, then I think you know going in that you're not really going to run the ball maybe as much as, as some might think. So so I think you can always look at the numbers and say, gee, we'd like to run the ball more, and that's probably going to have to be the case going forward. But I think in this particular game with what they chose to do, my guess is they probably had some inclination that they were not going to be you know, as balanced as some might like.
1: Yeah, and then you look too, I look at the screen game and how big of an impact that was. They weren't necessarily always true screens, but I go back to that second drive of the game on the second play. He threw that little swing pass to Darren Sproles in the flat. He goes 16 yards for a first down, and I charted the plays off of screen action where Darren Sproles or another Eagles offensive player was running to the flat out of the backfield, and Carson Wentz was really effective in those plays. He went five for six. uh, I believe it was uh, 55 yards and a touchdown off of that bubble screen action. So You know, Last week, everybody's talking about oh, why do you throw those after the fumble in the direction of Nelson Aguilar, why do you throw those plays? Well, that's to help stretch the defense horizontally, and I thought that that worked really, really well for the Eagles in this game. When you talk about how those passes can be an extension of the run game, you're getting a player like Darren Sproles out in the flat, and at the very least, you're causing the second-level defenders for Kansas City to react and take them out of their comfort zone, have to defend all 53 and a third feet of the field
0: yeah and I think, look, we all know that if the run game is more productive, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. You know the Eagles are not going to be a quote unquote run first team now might there be games this season, depending on how they play out? We saw a couple of games last year where they really ran the ball a lot and well because of the nature of those given games. That may well happen again this year, but I think at its foundation, a Doug Peterson offense is not really a run first offense, so what they want is they 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 probably, in an ideal world, would like more balance, but they're not going to start their offense running the football. And and I think people have to understand that that's not the way it's going to be. They they want more production, for sure, and they ideally want a few more runs, but this is not going to be a 50-50 offense in terms of run-pass ratio.
1: Sure. It, it certainly always will come back to expectations and, and what you're expecting from this Eagles offense. And I thought really that sixth drive, the drive that ended with the Alshon Jeffrey touchdown catch was really kind of a good picture at what this offense can be. They, they start with four straight passes, four straight first downs. It's play action to Alshon Jeffrey, a straight drop back to Matt Collins, a screen action play to Zach Ertz over the middle of the field, and then a screen to Darren Sproles. You get two runs, then you have the back shoulder fade to Alshon Jeffrey. So a lot of variety. You see Doug Pearson mixing things, uh, mixing some things up as a play caller, uh, and you see them work in the run game here and there to help move the ball when they get closer to the end line. But uh, really, I thought that that drive was kind of a, a really good microcosm of what this offense can be.
0: Yeah, and, and you and I both know, Fran, that much of this pass game is quick game, three step drop, quick five step drop. Now, you can say well they're not runs but theoretically and conceptually they're they're very similar in what they're trying to get accomplished and and there are those who obviously believe that hey the NFL at its core is still a physical game and you're going to have to line up and run the football and there is some truth to that. But again, I think you're right. Expectation is critical here. This is not going to be a team that comes out and sets its offense by running the ball. Even the early runs were perimeter runs with sprawls. You know, they weren't line up and, and try to beat the other team up physically. They were runs that, to get on the perimeter.
1: No, no question about it. And then you look at Carson Wentz and one of the things I think when you, you look at uh, this passing game for the Eagles, on first down he was 14 of 20 for 189 yards two touchdowns. Now there were a bunch of sacks on first down and that certainly uh, didn't help matters in terms of the passing game but Carson Wentz I thought threw the ball really well. I don't know what your initial thoughts were we, you and I haven't had a chance to fully discuss Carson's performance against Kansas City when you went back and watched the film what were your thoughts watching Carson and his uh, really one of, one of the big road Test of his young career going to Arrowhead.
0: I thought he played well. I I think he's played well and thrown the ball well the first two games. I think he's tighter in his delivery. I think for the most part he's been more accurate. I thought week one he missed a couple of routine throws. I don't think that was the case this week. I think this week he threw the ball really well. And I think the key to that is a lot of the quick throws. Uh, You can say they're easy throws, but but when you have that quick game and the ball has to be precisely accurate, because that's the whole point of the quick game is you'd like to at least give your receiver, a chance to to run a little bit after the catch. I think he he was uh, very good this week, and I thought this was a really good performance by Wentz. Yeah,
1: it's it's interesting you brought up that uh, the ball placement there in the quick game because uh, we had John Filippo on. Eagles game plan this week to talk about uh, Carson Wentz and his performance. And that was one of the things he brought up in one of the plays that he broke down was, you know, how precise his ball placement needed to be. It was a third down throw to Zach Ertz over the middle of the field. And, you know, if he puts that on the back shoulder, you know, it's a pass breakup by Daniel Sorensen, maybe even worse, but he puts it out in front. Zach Ertz is able to catch it and still keep moving, and he ends up taking it for a first down. So that, that accuracy absolutely showed up, not just on those touch throws, but then also when he had to drive the football.
0: Yeah, and I think at its core, this offense, because it, it's, its whole methodology still initially stems from West Coast offense, which is more short passing, your quarterback has to be precisely accurate. And in ball placement and in ball location is so critical, and I thought he did very well with that this week. And, and even some, some other throws, I mean, when he hit Smith on the, um, the, the slot fade, even the throw to Jeffrey, which turned out to be the touchdown on the slot fade, you know, these are precisely accurate throws and if that continues uh look we can all sit here and say we don't want him dropping back 50 plus times and in an ideal world you don't want any quarterback dropping back that many times but the reality is that that this Offense is going to be built around Carson Wentz, and there are going to be games when that happens. Like you said, the, the number of pass attempts certainly be, was exaggerated in this game because of the final drive. But there, there are not going to be many games, Fran, where he throws, he drops back less than 30 times.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree, and you mentioned some of those impressive throws. I remember his first drive, uh, the backside dig that he hit to to Torrey Smith where he started to the front side to the left. It was a three-level stretch. He didn't like what he saw. He works his way back, squares up. The throwing arrow is in line, and he puts one right on the numbers to Torrey Smith in stride. Now Torrey tried to stick his foot in the ground and spin out of it and pick up extra yards after the catch, and he ends up slipping on the on the slick turf there uh, in in Kansas City. but. You know, I I think you've got the ability there to be able to hit those vertical routes. He showed the ability to do that. That was one big, deep dig throw. And then one of the plays I know impressed both of us was a deep dig that he chose not to throw, and that was early in the second drive. It was a play that you and I both recognized. We both saw that uh, when we went back and watched the film where he does not throw the dig. They're running a dagger concept, and here comes Marcus Peters from the other side of the field completely out of his vision, off of play action, And he doesn't make the throw. He decides to eat the throw, tuck it, run. He picks up five yards. And both of us kind of had the same thought separately uh, that it really reminded us of an interception that he threw on the road in Seattle a year ago.
0: Yeah, and you're 100% right. We we talked about that. His, uh And actually, the one he didn't throw this this year on Sunday was a tougher read than the interception he threw last year against Seattle because it was Cam Chancellor, and Cam Chancellor was actually much closer to the dig because in that cover three defense, he was the hook-to-curl defender much closer to the middle of the field. Peters, in this particular defense, was the backside third defender, so he came from distance, and uh, Carson had turned turned his head in play action. So to pick him up is was really good and 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 that just shows his maturity. But just a very quick comment about that Smith 22-yarder on the first possession. You described it perfectly, but I think that's a a throw to me that really speaks very subtly to to playing the quarterback position well, because when you go through that read, because as you said it was was a three-level stretch to the left side of the field um, to the boundary, and then he came back to the backside dig, there's a timing involved with that. You have to come to the backside dig at just the right time, otherwise that throw is not there. So you have to eliminate what's not there, and then I isolate what is there, all within a structured timing. And that's not that simple. And he did that really, really well.
1: When you look at this offensive line, Greg, I think everybody kind of saw that the second-year offensive lineman Isaac Sayamalu struggled against the Chiefs, and that's putting it lightly. Gave up a couple of sacks, and the Kansas City saw that relatively early. You saw some of the things they did to try and isolate some of their best pass rushers on Sayamalu inside, and that was certainly a game that he'd like to forget. Doesn't mean you're throwing him out uh, with the bathwater. You're going to keep having trust in Isaac Sayamalu as long as he's doing things right, but when you watch this Eagles offensive line, did anything else stand out to you? I, know I was really impressed personally with Brandon Brooks. I think he's quietly had a pretty strong start to the year, and even going into the preseason, watching him this summer, I think Brandon Brooks has really kind of uh, had a solid season so far.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he's he's quietly played well. The one thing that surprised me, and, and I'm very interested to see this going forward, and again, this is what the film shows, so you, you know, we're being honest about what the film shows, is there were a number of third-down snaps in which they helped both Peters and Johnson with chips. And I guess I was surprised by that. I didn't expect to see that because you would think with Peters and Johnson, who are considered two higher-level tackles in this league, that you wouldn't have to do that because, as we know, the passing game is a numbers game. And if you have to keep two receivers in, two eligible receivers in initially to chip, then they're not primary threats in the passing game because they're taking a a, a couple of beats before they get out. So I'm anxious to see if that was just a function of this game uh, or if that's something that they think they need to do on a regular basis.
1: Transitioning out, Greg, from this Eagles offensive line to the defensive line, which has been so impressive and everything that they've been able to do through the first two games. And one of the things that has really stood out to me is all the different ways that Jim Schwartz and this defensive staff have been able to create one-on-one situations for Fletcher Cox over the first two games. and you know, Whether they're running zone exchanges away from Fletcher to cause the offensive line to shift that way. Or whether they're lining up five defenders over five offensive linemen to force and dictate protection and make sure that Cox only has one man across from him. We know a year ago that was such a big deal for this Eagles defense that he couldn't find ways to get Cox one-on-one and he was getting double-teamed, at times triple-teamed, we saw Monday Night Football against Green Bay. Now they're finding ways to get him one-on-one and they're doing it in so many different creative ways that I think is really fun to watch and I'm really excited about these added wrinkles we're seeing in this scheme.
0: Well, I think the key thing with everything you're talking about is they're going to have to do this, particularly with the secondary as it is, they're going to have to do this in safe ways. And, you know, we saw the zone exchange this week, the zone exchange where you you add a linebacker into the the pass rush, but you drop out a D lineman, so you're still rushing four, because you can play still with three deep, four under, and you can play zone. Even if you rush five, you can still play three deep, three under, you can play zone, because I think they're going to have to be a little – you know, just be aware of the fact that they may not be able to match up man to man, depending on who the opponent is, with a lot of irregularity. So, you know, I like the fact that they're doing those kinds of things, which which can increase pressure, cause some problems for protections, maybe create some one on ones, as you said, but also at the same time, be safe pressures.
1: No, no question about. It. We saw one of those uh, plays on on one of those zone exchanges. It was third and long, and Elijah Qualls drops you know, underneath coverage. Did you see him, Greg, match Alex Smith step-for-step step, running to the flat and forcing a throwaway on third down and forcing a punt? Uh, you see some of that athleticism from those guys up front. They, you, they've they seen a lot of rotation there. Chris Long has played a lot of snaps for them, especially in their nickel package. You get him and, and Derek Barnett on the outside. They slide Brandon Graham inside with Fletcher Cox. That's been one of the looks that, that has been very prevalent as well. And Even some reduced fronts, some, some bare looks uh, from this Eagles defense where you have uh, three interior linemen covering up the, the two guards in the center, and that is another way to really kind of create some of those one-on-one looks up front.
0: No, no question. And, and I think you'll see more of that. A lot of teams are starting to do more of that because they're trying to create athletic mismatches somewhere along the front. And then what you do is you work games off of that as well. So I, I think you'll start to see a lot more of that.
1: Great. What did you see from the from the linebackers? Obviously this Kansas City offense, just you know, the what they do from a misdirection standpoint and all the moving parts and bells and whistles in that scheme, uh puts a lot of stress on the linebackers and whether it's Jordan Hicks, uh Nigel Bradham and Michael Kendricks I thought made a couple of really good plays in this game as well. Uh what did you see from the, the three linebackers in this game?
0: It was an odd game. I thought the linebackers played well and I thought that, you know, <laughs> There were a couple of big plays. Obviously, I mean, it started when on the first drive when they split Kelsey out at X ISO and, and he ran by uh, Jenkins on, on what was essentially a slugo. Obviously, the big play late in the game when Connolly just on on a straight go route or fade ran by Mills. You know, and and, and they caught the Eagles in just the wrong defense on the Hunt long touchdown run. Uh, you know, there were so there were a number of big plays, and the Chiefs do a real good job of building off sort of staple things. The Kelsey touchdown. Was something. They've been doing that kind of thing since last year, and they just keep building and building. But I think for the most part, you know, I didn't get the feel watching the game live or even watching the tape that the Eagles defense was handled.
1: Yeah, uh, no, absolutely not. I I thought, you know, watching, I think it was only what? It was like 58 plays or something like that for the defense. They weren't on the field long, and. For the most part, I, I thought that they were, they were beating the Chiefs. I mean, they were, and we saw that when we were watching the game live together, but then going back and watching, it didn't seem like a losing effort from the defense. You, you watch them. They, a, they gave up some scores in some short fields, uh, obviously 10 points given to the chiefs off turnovers. But, uh, and then you mentioned a couple of those big plays that they, the, Touchdown run for Kareem Hunt was just that was kind of tough luck. Like you said, it was it was a, a really good offensive play call for the defense that the Eagles were in at that point. Um, but overall, I, I was really impressed in, in terms of how this front seven, especially played. I thought Razul Douglas performed very admirably, uh, considering he was kind of thrown into the fire his first snap against Tyree Kill. A little surprised that they didn't uh, try and stress him vertically, but they throw the little hitch. You see him react quickly. He attacks downhill. He triggers and he's able to finish one on one against one of the most dynamic players playmakers in the NFL. Did you see anything especially strong from Razul Douglas in this game?
0: I think, look, he played a lot of off coverage, which is smart. You don't want to get beat over the top, certainly not when you're on Hill. Um, But I think, look, the fact is Hill did not have a big play per se where, you know, where he can break a game open, and I think they did a good job. Now, there was one where Smith made a bad throw. They set it up, I think, early in the game where he did run a post route, and a good throw would have been a touchdown. It was when Watkins was still in the game. But, hey, that happens. The ball was slightly overthrown. But, but. Hill, as far as a big play guy, was not a big factor in the game. Um, even Kelsey, I mean, the touchdown was that was a schemed play. The the uh, the sluggo was obviously a design play where they feel he can beat safeties. Any safety in the league, Jenkins is one of the better ones. But that's Travis Kelsey. So, but overall, you know, I thought that the defense played well. I thought, given that they had to go deeper into their secondary with two injuries to starters, I thought they held up very well.
1: Greg, let's transition now to the New York Giants and a team that I really typically we like to start with the offense, but I feel the need to start with this defense because they are impressive in a lot of different ways. I think this defensive line is the strength of this football team. You look at Snacks Harrison inside. He is so stout. He's so powerful. He's good with his hands. You look at Dalvin Tomlinson, the rookie second round pick, lines up next to him. and Those two have been really impressive through the first two weeks. Honestly, I thought those two outperformed the Dallas offensive line uh, in the interior in that game back in week one. and Those two have been so impressive. Jason Pierre-Paul is playing at high level. Olivier Vernon has the ability to be so disruptive and they ask him to do so many different things. What have you seen from this New York defense? Has anything surprised you or has it been more from the same looking back uh, as Steve Spagnolo's tenure there in New York?
0: Well, you know, I, I got to tell you, I think the most important player on this defense is Janoris Jenkins. And I think you kind of saw that this week when he didn't play because this was a week where it was not a high-pressure week for the Giants. They started to bring some selectively uh, because they needed to, because they needed to change the tempo of the game. But I think he allows them to do so many things from both a pressure and coverage standpoint. And when he does not play, I think it causes Steve Spagnuolo to have to make some, some meaningful changes. But they have a, their front seven is pretty solid. Um, obviously, Pierre Paul is still a dynamic player. I think in his own way, Devin Kennard is an important piece of that front seven. Obviously, they were also without Goodson, the, the Mike linebacker, this week, and they played the free agent Calvin Munson out of San Diego State. He had a tough first half. I thought he played better in the second half, but he's not the same player Goodson is. So I don't know if Goodson is back this week or not. Um, But if Jenkins is back, I think you'll see a more aggressive defense. Uh, If not, I think you'll see them be a little less aggressive and a little more conservative as they were against Detroit.
1: And then you look at Landon Collins, who you know is also such a huge piece of what they do, whether it's in underneath coverage against tight ends on the deep end, or as a blitzer. And we saw that uh, in the two Eagles games last year. What, what have your, been your thoughts? I know you and I kind of felt similarly about Collins coming out of Alabama a few years back. Uh, what has he turned into for Eagles fans that haven't been following him as closely so far in this career for the division rival?
0: He's better than I thought he'd be, to be honest with you. I, I, I didn't think he'd be as good in coverage. I didn't think he'd play as athletically as he does. I mean, he's not an athletic, you know, back-end safety like an Earl Thomas. He's not that player. But I think that his ability to, to play coverage, both man-to-man and zone, is better than I thought. He's really good in the box area. He's a physical guy. I think he's a very aware player, and they use him in a lot of different ways. Look, this, this week, and I don't know if it's something we'll see on, on Sunday, we saw him at times – almost be a slot player with rogers crow marty at safety i think they they did that about five or six times in the game so it, it, you know spagnolo was doing different things i think a lot of that had to do with jenkins being out but we know steve can be very multiple but landon collins is a really good safety
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the loss of bj goodson i thought that was a, a pretty steep drop off he, he's a he's a good young player and going from him to calvin munson was tough
0: I, I like uh, I liked Goodson coming out of Clemson a lot more than other people. Um, and the thing again, there's a player who probably I thought and, and maybe you agreed that he probably would not play in sub packages, and he plays in every sub package for the Giants. When they go dime, he's the only linebacker on the field. So you know he's he's a little more athletic and, and better in that than I thought he'd be.
1: And then, Greg, you go over to this New York offense, and it's—I'd say—saying it bluntly, they—they've really struggled. You know, you look at uh, their protection up front; has been really tough for, for Eli Manning. They have been able to run the ball, but they're not a run-first operation anyway. Uh, it's been a struggle for Eli Manning so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they're trying to run the ball more, and I think, you know, that's obviously important in what they're doing, but they're having a hard time. I mean, look, last year they were in 11 personnel, close to 95% of the snaps. Uh, This year it's about 70%. They're trying to run the ball a little more out of base personnel, but they're not having any success. And their O-line now has some injuries. They're moving people around. Pew moved from left guard to right tackle. I don't know if that will continue this week, um, but they're having all kinds of problems. And and when your tackles, struggle in one-on-one pass protection and and look the film tells you this eric flowers is not a very good pass protector Uh, when when you can't pass protect one-on-one on the outside you're going to have problems right now eli is clearly an uncomfortable pocket quarterback he's not playing with a whole lot of pocket poise he doesn't trust his protection so it forces him to play fast and at times receive pressure so you're dealing with an offense that that is really not very good right now running the ball or throwing the ball
1: and I think, too, when you, when you look at this, uh, this team, it, it's important. I was kind of surprised looking back at the numbers from last year. They only gave up 22 sacks a year ago. It's was the third fewest in the league, even though the line is so poor. But that really goes back to the, the way that they play. It's a lot of quick throws. In 2016, it's a quick, quick throw offense. They're getting the ball out quickly. And I'm sure that that catered a little bit to what they knew they had up front.
0: Yeah, and the one thing you don't see a lot of, Fran, I'm sure you've noticed this, is they're not a big slide protection team. And I think they might have to think about that a little bit. That that may be a Ben McAdoo thing because their o line coach is Mike Solari, who's been in the NFL 29 years, and I guarantee he knows all about slide protection. That So that may be sort of a head coach thing with the way he runs offense. But they may have to think about that to some degree because that will help. You know, Right now they do a lot of pass setting to what's in front of them. And, and guys are getting beat one-on-one and, and – Who knows? They may have to make a little bit of a philosophical
1: change. Yeah, and when you say the slide protection, you're meaning that the the offensive line at a certain point will slide one direction. Now your your linemen are only worried about what's on their outside shoulder. They're not necessarily worried about a two-way go against the defender.
0: Correct. And then, you know, look – with with Flowers really struggling, I mean he just, he's he, I'm sure his confidence is shot right now. He he can't pass protect one on one very well. We'll see what they do at right tackle, um, but even inside Jerry struggled. You know we'll see about Jones if he stays at left guard. But they're having a tough time in pass protection.
1: Well, Greg, it will be very interesting to see that group go up against this Eagles defensive front. You and I will watch it together here at the Novacare Complex on Sunday afternoon. Looking forward to it. Uh, we'll see you Sunday. Thanks again for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast.
0: Thanks, Fran. Appreciate it.
1: Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our Exus Nose content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you listen, and give us a rating and leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to Steve Bashi from Wayne PA who went on iTunes and rated the show even left a comment saying how much he enjoys all of the All-22 analysis that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. So thanks to Steve and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep the show going. We talked pretty in-depth about this New York defense with Greg, and I mentioned how impressed I've been with the rookie defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson, and for that reason, he will be the subject of this week on our scouting report dim those lights we're headed to the film room for the scouting report all right so dalvin thompson a rookie second round pick just under six foot three three hundred and ten pounds he was really impressive this january at the senior ball seeing him in person he won the practice player of the week down there on the defensive line you guys may remember that carson wentz won that award for the quarterbacks the year before so now thompson's gonna be chasing wentz around this sunday afternoon but let's get into the notes here because he was a really impressive player on tape. Only a one-year starter for Nick Saban in that 3-4 scheme. He was a backup to Sean Robinson, another former second-round pick the year before, but he lined up as a 3-4 defensive end right over the tackle as a 4-I or as a 5 technique and he slid inside in some of their sub-packages, but he had always been a steady part of that defensive line rotation there for the Crimson Tide. A really thick kid. He's got very long arms. He had one of the longer wingspans in this past draft class. As a pass rusher he wanted to win with power and leverage that's how he plays now his go-to move was a straight bull rush which he complemented really well with a push-pull move where he'll win inside stick his hands right into your chest push you and then pull you and shrug you off and get into the quarterback. That was one of his go-to complimentary moves off that bull rush. Against the run, he plays with really good technique from snap to finish. He's strong, really tough to move off his spot, and he's always square to the line of scrimmage. As most tied linemen are, he's a really skilled run defender, and that is whether it's in one-gap or two-gap concepts. I think he's probably a better fit for two-gap, and he does a little bit of two-gapping there for New York. He uses his hands really well, not just to control the blocker early in the down, but also to Shed and flow to the football late. He's able to manipulate his man from snap to whistle in the run game, and he's got a pretty good motor to compete well down in and down out. Now, on the negative side, he's not truly explosive out of his stance. He's not a player that's going to stand out athletically. He doesn't offer a ton of pass rush value. He wasn't really productive uh, in terms of his time at Alabama, only ten and a half tackles for loss, four sacks in his career. So not someone that is going to be known as a quality pass rusher, but he's a really skilled run defender. Like I said, a smart player that competes at a high level inside don't think he'll ever be considered as a dynamic disruptor, but I see a key cog up front in a three- or four-man line as a starter in the NFL. This is what I wrote back in the spring. I think he'll be a stout run defender as a one-tech nose tackle or as a five-technique defensive end. Obviously, it will be as the former for Steve Spagnolo in that scheme. Could be a plug-and-play type, which he has been, and a safe pick that could play for a long time but never make a Pro Bowl. That's kind of how I view Dalvin Thomas, again, I thought he really gave it to Zach Martin in that week one game. He performed really, really well against the run in that contest. So he will be a big test along with Snacks Harrison inside there for New York. The Eagles run game really going to have to bring their A game if they're going to move the ball on the ground against this New York defense. All right, great stuff from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And again, one more time, please take a few seconds, go rate the show, leave us a comment, don't be afraid to leave a question on there too, because I'd love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. But all that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast for everybody here at the NovaCare Complex. I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.